Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's Safety and Health webcast, EHSQ, Real-World Examples of the Convergence of EHS and Quality, sponsored by ETQ. This is Alan Ferguson, an associate editor at Safety and Health Magazine, and I'll moderate today's presentation. First, we'd like to thank you for joining us, and on behalf of the National Safety Council, whose employees are currently working away from the office, we hope that you, your loved ones, and all the people in your lives are remaining safe and healthy wherever they are. We'll start the presentation in a couple minutes, but first there are some housekeeping items. As a disclaimer, the views of today's speaker and organizations are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the National Safety Council or Safety and Health Magazine. Any mention of a commercial enterprise, product, or publication does not mean the council or the magazine endorses those items. After today's presentation, we will conduct a question and answer session with our speaker. To ask a question, simply type it in the text box in the lower left-hand corner of your screen and click the button for Submit Question. Please feel free to ask your question at any time during this presentation. You do not have to wait for the Q&A to begin. We'll try to answer as many questions as possible, but we might not get to every question. The good news is any unanswered questions will be forwarded to today's speaker. If you have any technical issues during this webcast, please refer to our list of helpful tips on the right-hand portion of your screen. And for basic troubleshooting information, click the Help button located at the bottom. And after this presentation, you'll be asked to complete a brief evaluation survey, and I'll let you know more about that a little later. Uh, this webcast will be archived, so you can access it after today's live event. To view this webcast and all of our past webcasts, go to safetyandhealthmagazine.com event. Finally, our sponsor, ETQ, is providing links to additional information, which you can find under Resources widget on your screen. With that, let's introduce today's speakers. With us are Kathy DeMars, Global Common Management Systems Leader at Corteva AgriScience, Morgan Palmer, Chief Technology Officer with ETQ, Stephanie Taylor, Global Director at AECOM, and Kevin Trotter, IT Application Consultant at Comores. Again, we'd like to thank you all for joining us for this presentation. Morgan, whenever you're ready, go ahead and take it away. Yeah, thank you very much, Alan, and thank you everyone for joining us today. And thank you especially to our panelists, Kathy, Kevin, and Stephanie. Um, very excited to join them in today's discussion about the convergence of uh, EHS and quality. Uh, I want to tell you a little bit about ETQ uh, for those of you who don't know us already. And, uh, and then I'll pass it off for a short introduction on each of our panelists' organizations. Um, and then we'll open up the... Uh, the session for uh, the panel discussion. And uh, at the end, we'll reserve a little bit of time for, for Q&A. And if you have questions, please uh, post those to the, um, to the, to the Q&A window so that we can, we can answer as many as we can at, at the end. So a little bit about uh, ETQ. We're uh, an organization that's been in the EHSQ business for um, over 25 years. We have um, 700,000 active users that are sort of on the system on a daily basis. And we've automated over 40 different applications, um, processes that cover the standard quality management functions, but also health and safety processes and environmental management processes. Now, what differentiates us in the market, we believe, is that we understand that organizations have built fairly differentiated business processes. And they do that because it's a competitive, competitive advantage to do that. 
Um, so whether it's the manufacturing process or the delivery process or their supply chain, that's a fairly unique environment that uh, our customers, um, organizations have built. And in order to build a quality management system for that unique environment, we believe that quality management system and that EHSQ system has to be differentiated and agile as well. So we don't actually believe that there's a single cookie-cutter version of EHSQ for the market. Instead, what we, what we offer are a set of best practices that our customers can start with. And then they can take the flexibility of the platform, flexibility of the solution, to tailor it to meet their unique requirements. So it's that combination of a broad range of pre-built applications combined with the limitless flexibility that is offered by a platform, all delivered in the cloud for an easy and fast implementation that make ETQ such a unique and powerful solution in the marketplace. Now, when it comes to bringing together quality and EHS, um, we have a fairly long history of that because we identified very early on that there are many processes in each area um, that are in common. So, of course, one of the biggest needs that we're addressing here is compliance. And compliance has a lot of common elements, whether you're talking about compliance on the quality side or the safety side, the health side, or the environmental management side. Um, processes such as document control and training, processes such as corrective action, performing risk assessments, auditing, those are all common processes across all of those key functions. In addition, we've infused the solution with very specific processes to address the specific needs of the different standards that um, our organizations comply with, uh, with regards to the EHSQ landscape. So things like incident management, which includes OSHA reporting, uh, behavioral-based safety, which links into incident ma management, um, job safety analysis or job hazard analysis, and then aspects and objectives when you're talking about the ISO 14001 standard, sustainability, sustainability metrics, and so forth and so on. Um, so you can think of the ETQ solution as um, a combination of the processes you would need to cover all of those functions and those, and those standards. And the reason we think that that was a good move, the reason that we went into that, in that direction to begin with, is because we did recognize there was so much crossover already. And actually solving the technical problem was in some regards the easy part. The harder part is solving the organizational problem, which is some of the challenges that organizations go through to achieve a common um, set of rules, a common set of processes that can um, cross over EHS and quality. And some of those challenges is what we're going to talk about today, because there is a, a tremendous amount of value about having a single cent solution to centralize the data, have a single place to have overall visibility of the data. Um, but in, in addition, um, there's also the challenges that come with that, the political challenges and the, um, and the organizational challenges. And so our panelists will, will hit on some of those challenges and also share with you some of the um, 
I guess, the, the ways that they got around those challenges, some of the successes that they've had as well. Um, in terms of the overall benefits of this approach, um, I, I think for those of you who, who understand what a quality management system is and, and understand some of the needs of EHS, uh, these may be fairly obvious. But uh, the fact that there is um, a, uh, a crossover between the processes, as I mentioned, the fact that some processes in one area will impact directly the other processes, and I'm thinking about CAPA here, for example, um, and, and also the fact that we're trying to really achieve the same end result in, in all of these areas, which is we want a, as much automation as possible, we want a streamlined process which, can be, which is as harmonized as possible, and we want to make sure that we're building a culture of reporting. And uh, that last point, uh, I'll just um, uh, sort of double-click on that a little bit. Um, we talk a lot about the quality culture, and we also talk about the safety culture. And, uh, you know, maybe to some degree, we talk a little bit about the sustainability culture nowadays. Um, what's driving that culture is not only really good processes that are adapted to your unique environment, what's also driving that culture is a, a solution that your end users can engage with, engage with, not just the professionals, not just the people who are in the system every day, but those casual users, so that you can collect the data and you can involve your entire organization um, in, in the process. And that's really what drives the culture. And as we all know, culture is what drive, drives the results. So that's kind of a little bit of a background on ETQ. I'm going to hand it over to Kathy first to give a little bit of an uh, introduction into her organization, and then I'll introduce the, uh, the next panelist after that. Thank you, and, and thank you especially for this opportunity to share my journey today. Um, and I'm very honored to be among some distinguished professionals here today and be partners with ETQ in our journey. So I want you to think about what you ate for breakfast this morning or lunch or dinner last night. For that one meal to exist, a million things had to go right. And with 7 billion people on Earth and three meals a day, there's a lot of room for error. We've made it our business to make sure that all those millions of little moving parts go according to plan, and you end up with breakfast, lunch, and dinner on the table. We're coming up on a year anniversary where Corteva AgriScience, a brand new agricultural company for a brand new world, was born. We ex exist to solve the world's food problems through innovation technology and by bringing some humanity to our 22,000-year-old industry. So let me share a little bit about our journey. About three years ago, probably before that, two large chemical companies, Dow Chemical and DuPont Chemical, decided to merge. And this exciting journey began now, you might not have felt it, but September 1st rocked my world in 2017, as with a lot of my coworkers. On April 1st then, several years later, after we merged to a large company, Dow DuPont, Dow spun off their new company. And then soon after that, on June 3rd, 
the new DuPont spun off and Corteva Agrosciences was born. And we began our journey as a full play agricultural company. So, very, so we had three very different cultures come together. Three agricultural leaders brought their own specialty a suite of experiences to the table with DuPont crop protection, which brings a long history of keeping crops safe from pests and the elements. While Dower Sciences and DuPont Pioneer had created smarter and more resilient seeds, high-tech data and analytical tools, giving farmers the ability to grow and measure like never before. Together we are Corteva AgriScience, an agricultural company that exceeds in every aspect of our industry and puts us at a very unique situation. So our leaders began by defining what was our purpose as a new company. Well, we wanted to ensure that we wanted to enrich the lives of those who produce and those who consume, ensuring progress for generations to come. And we want to bring that together by establishing our brand values, enriching lives, standing tall, build together, be curious, be upstanding, and live safely. So building onto that foundation of our purpose and brand values, we searched for what type of company we wanted Corteva AgriScience to be. And what we recognize is that we want to be a market shaper. And to become that, we needed to ensure that we effectively address the day-to-day operational needs of the business. We needed to perform safely with speed, productivity, demonstrating strong follow-through and reliability across our disciplines, but in a culture of order and predictability. Employees need to act with consistency and flexibility, but operating within self-articulated values, requirements, and measures of success. What better way to achieve these than with an integrated enabling solution that ETQ provides? We live in a world where food production and distribution efficiency needs to improve as our global population continues to grow, a world where consumer expectations for safe, nutritious food have never been higher, a world where farmers face pressure like never before. These challenges are the reason why we exist, and they inform every, everything that we stand for as a leader in the industry. We're a complex, complex large group, even after the sin. We do business in over 140 countries, we employ over 21,000 people globally, and we conduct research in over 150 research facilities. We believe that if you make it your mission to do better for the world, you, have, you had better know what's going on all around it. And, and to do this, we needed to ensure we had connectivity and enterprise systems and tools that enable us, enabling a lean process and a single source of data. So I share the challenges we face 
as a new company in such a growing industry. Now I'll share a little bit about the plan we took to, to get there. So we understand what we want to be, and next it'll be important to understand how do we do that successfully. So we brought together three very diverse cultures, but we also brought together significantly different work processes, tools, and approaches. We early recognized that we need to build a strong foundation, a new foundation for Corteva in our management system. We needed to ensure that we had one management system enabling operating discipline across Corteva. This was a huge leap. So when we say one, we say one. There isn't a quality one or an EHX one. We truly built one management system across the enterprise. The management framework needs to make sure it's available to all our employees to help them consistently fulfill their tasks required to achieve operational excellence in their daily activities. It needs to align, align to comply with the requirements of our external entities. And we need to make sure we have common policies, procedures, and enabling tools applied enterprise-wide. This is how we developed our Corteva Agri-Science Management System, or CAMS. Because every company has to have lots of acronyms, so we went with CAMS. So CAMS is our one management system enterprise-wide. And it, like I said, for EHNS, for quality, for manufacturing, for R&D, for our organization. And ETQ solutions successfully enable our enterprise work processes in these areas. We are still early in our journey. And it is and always will be posed with lots of challenges. I have no doubt of that. But due to defining this unified enterprise management system, you know, upfront early in the development of a new company, and the strength we have with our leadership support in it, we are sure, and to be able to deliver that system with an integrated solution with ETQ Reliance, we feel this will contribute to our further success as a new company in the agricultural industry. Thank you. Thank you, Kathy. Um, I'll just hand it over to, to Kevin, and uh, he can give us an introduction to his organization. Hello, everyone. Uh, this is Kevin Trotter from Camours. Uh, Camours was formed in 2015. Uh, similar background to Cathy, it was a, a spin-off from DuPont. Uh, and we also are headquartered in uh, Wilmington, Delaware. The purpose of Camours, we help create a more colorful, capable, and cleaner world throughout the power of chemistry. Uh, we are a market leader in manufacturing of flora products. We're a market leader in titanium dioxide production and also a market leader in solid sodium cyanide production across the Americas. As of 2019, our net sales were $5.5 billion. We uh, operate out of 58 global locations. We have 7,000 employees and we serve 120 different countries. So my view on this subject is, you know, 
a management system is just a management system. There are you know, standard items, standard components that Morgan mentioned you know, need to go into every management system. Does it really matter uh, what, what acronyms you put in the middle of this diagram? You know, you need documentation to control your procedures. You need to record things you're doing well, things you're doing wrong. Uh, you need to manage your changes correctly, etc. So you could pick any one of these and place it into the middle of this management system. That's the view that we've taken, and it's the view that we take into our, uh, our IT system that supports this. As far as Comures goes, our uh, environmental management system, we are uh, RC 14001 or ISO 14001 certified, uh, depending on where <clears throat> our, our geography is. For health and safety, we have you know, standard company-wide policies, processes, and standards. For our quality management system, because of the three, uh, the three business model that we are made of, uh, each of those businesses needs to consider its ISO 9001 status independently. And as such, we have around 50% of those sites uh, with ISO's 9001 certification and a general goal across each business to uh, certify to that standard. Okay. So, I'm going to look at some of the impacting factors uh, that we considered in our, our journey towards a combined system. Uh, when we look at standardization, we, we always, uh, our ethos has always been that regardless of the management system, if you have a related process, then it should be the same uh, across the board. So we have, <clears throat> excuse me, we have one process for reviewing and approving controlled documents. We do not take any consideration to the type of documents. It's one generic process across the company. Uh, we set our sights on, on one action item process, and we also Kind of push towards one process for audit recording. Okay, we have one for compliance-based audits, uh, which is like your your certification audits, and we have one process for observational audits, which are your kind of walk-around checklist-type audits. Okay, what this does do is introduce the need for kind of cross-functional centralized governance. Okay, so. When you are you know, working across management systems within a single, uh, a single process, you do need to consult with multiple parties to get agreement uh, on any changes. Standardization can be you know, a big challenge to some companies. Uh, some parts of the organization may win. They'll have improvements that come their way. Some may lose uh, some items of their process just so that we can settle on uh, an efficient and common process that the entire organization can use. And through our efforts to, to standardize, uh, we, we hit the reset button about three years ago uh, on our ETQ Reliance instance, and we redesigned a lot of our processes, and with help from AECOM that we'll be speaking shortly, uh, we managed to remove uh, around 1,000 different uh, site-specific processes. Okay, and just to mention that our sites, through their legacy applications, they were used to working in a shared environment. Although those shared environments were location-specific, uh, they were used to working in one place for a lot of their capability. Okay, another impacting factor is cost. 
and uh, you know with so much overlapping capability you know all those core uh, processes that are standards across both quality and EHS uh, you know really why would you spend a lot of money on different systems uh, where ETQ lends itself well is those core and common uh, features are, are available, uh, but you also have the ability, if you need to, to go to uh, you know, more specialized, non-generic uh, capabilities. So you can build out the system to get those peripheral processes which are specific to uh, EHS or specific to uh, your quality system. Okay, uh, senior leadership support. So. Obviously, with the initial decision to go to a common system, you need to have uh, the backing of your leadership. Uh, but I will say this needs to be ongoing support. Uh, as companies change, as you acquire companies, you know, you divest parts of your company, new people start in the organization that have you know, great ideas from the company they used to work with. You'll always have you know, people suggesting change, suggesting you know, improvement or you know, moves to other applications, other platforms. So you need to be consistent. You need to have good, strong senior leadership support uh, to make sure that you can sustain your, your operating model. Uh, integrating is, a, is another option. So where you have this core common uh, capability within uh, your main management system platform, there's nothing stopping you integrating with more specialist applications uh, for perhaps deeper data manipulation or analysis or, or something like that. In regards to cost again, so Comures, we did remove a lot of uh, peripheral applications when we reset and redesigned our ETQ Reliance environment. Uh, and that was a, a way for us to offset costs for the project and the ongoing uh, run and maintain costs. And generally maximizing your, your system utilization you know, just demonstrates the ongoing value uh, for having the application. The last slide uh, I'd like to put up, it's a kind of heat map or kind of color map just to show you the various modules and processes and forms that we are using within Reliance. The green coloring indicates it's EHS related or EHS is the main user of that module or that uh, process. Blue indicates it's mainly used by uh, the quality organization or quality processes. So generally within the ETQ landscape we have, you know, it's maybe leaning towards EHS, but there is, you know, almost a 50-50 mix of individual capability that's being used by the quality organization. Okay. Thank you very much, Kevin. That's, uh, You're welcome. Great introduction. Um, I love the process map. I'm going to refer to that in our panel discussion. I'm going to hand it over to, uh, to Stephanie now from ACOM. Give us a quick intro into her organization. Great. Thank you. Uh, so Stephanie Taylor, I'm with AECOM. Um, I wear a couple of hats within the organization, and I've, I've met this team through my externally focused um, focus on management information systems. But I want to talk a little bit about my other hat, which is I've over time been a corporate HSE manager within the organization. And, you know, with our operations, large companies, um, global footprint, 
working in 150 plus countries, um, and, and just a variety of activities with an organization, we really have a lot of the same challenges that I think most of you experience. And we've, we've gone down this road or this journey uh, with my fellow panelists to try to, to get some synergies within the organization and to really reap the benefits of the systems we've put in place. So just a quick picture of uh, where our operations uh, are located. Now, <laughs> these are our facilities. They really don't have anyone in them at the moment. Um, but at some point, I'm sure we will return to those offices. Um, one uh, highlight of the company that I, I want to share with everybody, we do have a focus on something we call culture of caring. Um, it allows our staff an opportunity to take their skills, their engineering, their um, their scientists, uh, designer, builder skills, and put it to work in their communities with the support of ACOM. So something we're quite proud of. There's a big focus, obviously, with pandemic response at the moment uh, for this team. But let's get a little bit into our journey. Um, I just want to, Kathy mentioned operational excellence. This is a, a concept that is big within ACOM as well. And really these things, quality, health and safety, those are pillars um, to what we believe is this overarching concept of operational excellence. And so in line with that, we've tried to identify commonalities and, and ways we can get synergy across what was often siloed operations. So we want to reduce risk overall. We want to enable our loss-free performance. And Supporting an integrated safety, health, environment, and quality management system is, we believe, a really good way to do that. Um, another element of this is treating data as an asset. And it's an expensive asset. Um, most of our organizations spend a lot of resources acquiring data, and we want to make sure that that data is being leveraged. Uh, you know, we're really getting the benefits from the data that we're collecting. And so we believe through these synergies and shared systems, um, that's a really great way to do that, you know, to, to achieve the potential from the data we're collecting. And all this leads to uh, sustainability and resiliency of our organization. Um, by achieving this operational excellence and being able to maintain that, um, you know, that's, that's really going to result in a sustainable and resilient organization. So then the question is, how do you get there? And, uh, and, and this is the, where we really, where I guess the, the rubber hit the road. Um, I'm sure most of you have been involved in, um, you know, digital transformation over the last couple of years. We're actually um, moving into what we're considering our digital commitment stage. And these management systems and, and data systems are really um, helping to support that. Um, part of our process is identifying an adoption of innovation. And I want to be clear that by innovation, we don't necessarily mean technology. Um, some of the innovation that we're really focused on is harmonization, standardization, and simplification of what we're doing. And so um, this is really where my journey started on this um, combining of health and safety and quality. Um, a few years ago, our health and safety organization realized we were not getting enough benefit from our root cause analysis process. Um, the results were erratic, um, a lot of inconsistencies. We didn't have a lot of confidence in what we were seeing. 
Um, it happened to be that our organization um, was experiencing some of the same problems. And so uh, we went out and, and did some analysis and uh, landed on a Y-tree process as our preferred methodology and our consistent approach. Um, the health and safety team developed training materials and work processes and configured some tools, got some trainers up to speed, and we just happened to invite the quality folks who were having the same problems um, into our, our training sessions. And what happened, we, we just got a lot of positive feedback from both teams about the benefits to working together, um, to sharing use cases, to sharing trainers, um, the policies and procedures that we were developing around this tool. Um, it was just kind of a, a grassroots uh, recognition that there was a lot of value um, to combining these two entities. And from there, we've sort of grown this. So it's allowed us to remove silos, to share tools like uh, a reliant system across those areas, um, uh, more opportunities for cross-training, makes people more flexible and nimble. Um, and on top of that, in, in more recent um, months, we've started applying lean principles to everything we do. Um, and that's allowed us to establish some of these, um, you know, Kevin mentioned that there's a little give and take as you harmonize and standardize. But if you fundamentally agree on some principles, like keeping things lean and streamlined, then the team can work together collaboratively to use some of these tools. And so um, I just, I guess in, in closing, just want to say that you know, if you, can, if you can experiment with a few of the um, opportunities to establish these synergies, then um, what I've seen um, is that there's really uh, a lot of support to continue on that path and, and to reap the benefits of harmonized systems. Great. Thank you, Stephanie. Okay. So we have um, a quick overview of our panelist organizations and uh, actually some quite in-depth insights uh, already on the, some of the reasons for harmonizing quality and, and EHS processes. And that's going to be kind of the, the first uh, theme that I'm going to hit on is, is um, so what, what's driving this uh, merging? We, we used to, in ETQ, we used to call it the convergence of quality EHS. And uh, what I heard from, uh, from Kathy is that um, in her organizations, they were trying to support their company aspiration um, you know, to, to create a, a leaner, leaner organization. And that was being driven by this, this having one management system that would be able to support everything, the CAMs, of which EGQ Reliance is a, is a component of that and supporting the quality and EHS processes. And I think Kevin had something pretty similar. Um, he talked about uh, a management system as a management system. And, um, you know, they have a lot of commonalities. And so, therefore, to drive um, standardization, and, and to eliminate uh, redundant processes, having a single system uh, made a lot of sense. And uh, that was also a theme that Stephanie hit on in, in terms of what she's seeing, uh, standardization, simplification of the processes. Again, the word lean came, came in. So uh, I, I think that the, the question of why to do it is pretty clear. Um, and we, we actually, we're going to have a poll uh, you'll be seeing this on your screen where you can actually tell us what you think um, is driving it. And uh, we would love to hear from you about, um, you know, what you think is driving it or could drive it. 
Because what I want to jump into now, and what I'd like really to be the first question for the panelists, are the challenges um, in actually making that happen. So it seems that the, the why to do it is, is fairly clear and is fairly consistent. Uh, the need is there. Um, but obviously, we face a lot of challenges in, in actually making that happen. Um, Kevin hit on some of those challenges, uh, such as the need to develop, develop some cross-functional governance um, in order to drive that standardization. Uh, but clearly, the, the, the benefits are also clear, uh, eliminating costs um, and, and uh, being, being one of them. So I'm going to start with Kevin, um, if that's okay, and uh, simply you know, ask you at a high level, um, what was the business case that you built um, and how detailed was it? And, and who did you need to convince of that business case, Kevin? So thanks, Morgan. Uh, the business case really for us to move to a combined system uh, in Reliance it started back in our DuPont days. So maybe eight years ago, eight or nine years ago. Uh, it really originated with one, one business within DuPont where they had a a strong desire to head towards a, a new quality management system. Uh, we realized they were doing this because of we were exiting a, a legacy platform at the time, and that legacy platform exit was also impacting uh, our choice of, of where we were going for our, our health and safety systems. So we basically tagged our requirements for EHS onto the back of what was already a business case in place uh, for a quality management system. And if I remember correctly, it was a very small number of additional uh, requirements that we had on top of what was a, a huge list of, of QMS requirements. Uh, so the business case really was focused on the legacy exit, but also on some of the standardization we could achieve uh, through uh, the CAPA process. That was the, one of the main drivers. Uh, our real effort to standardize uh, the, into the model that we have today started when we were commuters. And as I mentioned during my presentation, we, we kind of hit the reset button on our configuration of Reliance. We, we decided as commuters that we would take some different decisions, some different paths uh, from that point forward. So we did have to re uh, reapply, shall we say, to the businesses, to the functions to say we still want to invest in, in ETQ uh, and our case was really we can, we can do this better, we can do this in a simpler form uh, and you know, we are not going to increase any costs on, on what you have today. That's, yeah, that, that makes sense. And did you have to apply or reapply to both the, to all the stakeholders across quality EHS, or was there a higher level person um, or responsibility or authority that um, that authorized the project? So it, it kind of comes on to the, the, the cost question. Uh, and I, I guess every company will be different on how they structure their, their cost model. Uh, we made a decision that IT would be the kind of funding source for Reliance for the main platform for the run and maintain support. So with IT being the function that were providing the funds, then they were the, the people we had to <laughs> persuade the, the most to, uh, to allow us to continue down that path. Uh, okay. In regards of functionality, yeah. then yes, we went to the, the businesses and the function, the EHS function. 
Makes sense. So, Kathy, um, you know, you, you, you made a case that uh, this concept of a one management system is important. Um, did you have to build a business case for um, combining quality and EHS into that one management system, or was that kind of an easy decision for your organization? There was some opportunities that we had, you know, coming into a, a new company um, and recognizing that the heritage companies that we brought had strong management systems and tools. What we found was inconsistency where, you know, some, you know, a heritage company might have been good at standardizing enterprise-wide systems and tools by others were more customized and I think one of the things that helped in, in our progression into one management system is that when we went to look at data, you couldn't easily get a one-number system. That in itself, um, I think Stephanie had it in her slides, has so much value in it. And we all recognize from our heritage, you know, companies in our culture that management systems help drive, you know, consistency and efficiency, um, you know, part of that was helpful in setting the case for it. Um, there is, you know, there's a huge value case with the multiple tools that each of us brought together that were supported but, but not interconnected. And the value to be able to replace those with something that's interconnected that helps get that ease of information, that one number system, and that flexibility, you know, across the organization and simplification and the opportunity to, to not have error in your data because of transition or manual entry of data. So we kind of compiled all that together to sell our, our value case. You know, I did get very early on the support of a cross-functional team that exists still today. So we have a steering team uh, made up of um, multiple functions beyond EHSNS and quality, R&D, procurement, you know, um, and multiple functions that sit and govern our management system process and ensure what's common that we need to, you know, support across the enterprise versus individually functional needs, um, allowing still that flexibility where it needs to, but ensuring we're challenging to ensure we look enterprise-wide for solutions. And that's where EQ has been um, significant in our journey to be able to deliver that because of its ability to configure to our needs and flexible to meet some of the uniqueness we needed as a company. But to integrate all that information, to be able to have that simplicity there and the ability then to provide numbers to the organization. So that was significant in being able to position and give our, our business case for the value of that. Yeah, that, that's, that's great. Um, so I heard from you, Kathy, uh, the value, one of the key values is visibility, sort of having that one source of truth. Um, and then uh, from Kevin, you know, the standardization was, was important. Um, Stephanie, on your side, as you're guiding organizations through this journey, um, what are some of the key challenges um, that you're seeing and, um, you know, that make it difficult, even though the benefits seem to be so clear? 
Yeah, that's a good question, and I'm actually um, answering some of the Q&As that have been posted along these same lines. Is um, I think that if you touch a lot of organizations or a lot of uh, components of your own organization, you actually see the similarities. But for the people that are entrenched within those silos, um, they, they can be quite adamant that they're different. And so one of the biggest challenges, I think, is getting people to agree that they are more similar than they realize. Um, and it's kind of a business analyst, communication, brainstorming, whatever you want to call it, um, of just getting people to agree on some of the fundamentals. And then some of these things are just um, tweaks on top of that instead of truly fundamental differences in the way they operate. And once people can kind of come to terms with that, a lot of those barriers go away. You know, a lot of that, no, this won't work for us, <laughs> initial response um, is one of the biggest battles. And if you can kind of get people to recognize the benefits of, of sacrificing some of those differences or downplaying them, um, then get a I'm sorry, Stephanie, you're breaking up a little bit. Uh, sorry, I was just saying if we can if we can kind of fundamentally establish that everyone can align and that their differences aren't as great as they may think or, or, yeah. or um, you know, then then we start working as a collaborative team um, and everyone really getting yeah. the benefits from, from the output, for example. I mean, you know, yeah. if you could get access to all these other pieces of data and combine it into your proactive, uh, you know, assessment of where your company stands and how to improve, um, that's a huge treasure trove, you know, that you give people. Yeah. Uh, ag agreed. And so sometimes when we look at these uh, initiatives, we tend to think of these as needing a big top-down push. You know, it's got to have senior, uh, senior leadership to make this happen, sort of butt heads together, and, and get it done. But in addition to that, uh, or, or maybe um, before that, we also need this an analysis groundwork to be done so that uh, the, the people that are, will be end, end up using the system um, are aligned. And, uh, and sometimes that gets forgotten. So if you go straight to the top with this proposal, maybe that's too soon. Um, let me dive down a little bit into um, the actual processes themselves. and. And um, Kevin had uh, displayed a, a pretty great uh, process map, which showed all the different um, processes that, that uh, they've automated and what's on the quality side, what's on the EHS side, and what's, what's common. Um, I think those may be different company by company, so I, I don't want to spend too much time on that. Um, what I would like to know, and uh, Kevin, I'll start with you again, is um, from an end user perspective, are the expectations fairly similar between the different functions of quality, uh, health and safety, and environmental? Um, or have you noticed some significant differences? So certainly uh, those that are pushing towards or, or maintaining ISO standards, uh, there are common requests from them or common needs. You know, for example, they need to classify a corrective action with a minor or, or major, you know, non-conformance or the kind of standard labeling that you get with the ISO standard. Where we see a difference is, and I think Kathy mentioned that there, there are other, you know, parts of the organization that are using these tools that, that don't 
comply to those standards. They don't use those naming conventions. So we find that the, the differences really are between uh, quality EHS and you know the, the rest of the organisation. So uh, that, that's okay, really so on the process side. So a difference in the processes, but not so much on the end user experience. The end user, I would say, their experience is 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 not so different. When you look at maybe mm -hmm. the, the the key users and those that are interacting with us to request changes, there's certainly more change in the EHS space than there is in the quality space through different reporting requirements for different states or different countries. You know, things that are always yeah. changing, whereas the quality yeah. is a more stable kind of uh, environment. That's, that's a really good point. Uh, and, and Kathy, on, on your side, um, sort of a similar question. Um, but when it comes to end user experience, kind of also, do you see a difference between the different functions in your organization? But also, have you, have you or will you be deploying mobile devices? And how does that play? in your end user experience? And how does it play in the different functions, quality, health and safety, and environmental? Yes, and I think, you know, especially mobile devices is something that, you know, um, has came very prevalent in the industry, especially to have that flexibility. Um, and we are working right currently um, toward deploying that uh, as our manufacturing organization, especially having that flexibility to um, get, to be able to be have a mobile device to do checks and collect information and audits and stuff like that, so it's a significant um, um, solution that we need for I think the future of our organization, especially in our company. Um, there is challenges for the end user, and I think part of the um, um, the challenge we have is um, the end user wanting something very simple and and quick and easy. Um, but a lot of times the requirements that we're trying to drive and ensure that we can meet forces more complexity into it. So how we've been able to work with our users on that especially is to provide the different avenues to ensure the the workflows incorporate the right complexity for the right um, situation, but allow the use of the tool for those other areas that don't need that complexity for the advantage of having um, the solution it brings without having too much complexity built into it for um, areas other than compliance around quality and EHS and S. Okay, yeah, that's, that's good. Um, I'm actually going to, to sort of change gears here, and as we're coming up towards the, the end of the presentation, and I do want to give a few minutes for q and I'm going to show a slide. Um, this is based on a survey that uh, ETQ um, gave to its customer base. Uh, just to understand um, what the impact of the pandemic has been on, on operations. And I think you can see that now. Um, so as you can see, we actually compared um, our customers of ETQ. Actually, this was a market survey, not just for the ETQ customers. And then for uh, between users of ETQ Reliance and users of other systems, and, and they, they could have been uh, homegrown systems, like a lot of companies are still using Excel and so forth. And you can see that on, on a number of important dimensions, the ability to collaborate, 
um, the ability to access data, uh, the ability to change processes is, um, is, is, uh, is better if you have a system like ETQ, which is a comprehensive uh, sort of one-stop shop for your uh, EHS and Q functions. Um, so that was the, those were the results that we got uh, from the marketplace. Um, let me ask uh, you, Stephanie, um, you know, from your, your taking a look at this, you know, sort of cross-industry, as it were, uh, what have been some of the changes you've seen uh, in the very recent months and weeks, really, um, in the way that people do EHS or fulfill EHSQ functions um, after the, the, based on the impact of the pandemic? Uh, so interestingly, because uh, I do focus so much on management information systems, a lot of our clients have, have provided feedback that they're happy that they've moved to sort of enterprise systems where from a remote perspective they can get a glimpse of their compliance status, um, things are rolled up, they don't have to be boots on the ground, which is really quite difficult at the moment. Um, and, you know, just being able to see if people are staying on track, if there's any problem areas, um, through this visibility that um, some of these data management systems offer them across all areas of the operation. Um, now, there's been some challenges, of course, deploying people remotely and getting the technology in their hands in their homes, but um, ultimately that visibility on the program, the HSE and quality programs that can roll up um, has been really a benefit, and they feel like they're happy they had that in place when this you know, pandemic hit. Yeah, I think that's what we're hearing as well. It's not just having the processes automated, but having them centralized uh, so that they're within easy reach um, and, and not distributed across different systems. Um, I'm going to actually go right into the, the Q&A portion here. There's a, a lot of um, really great questions, and we're not going to get to them all. And uh, Stephanie, I, I see you have been answering some of the background, so thank you very much for that. Um, I'm going to just pick uh, one, one question that I have here, which I think is relevant to our discussion. Uh, that we've just been having um, about uh, how do we make the business case and what are the challenges for presenting that business case. So the question is, did, did any, of your, uh, any of you experience resistance from um, the, the non-QA and EHS professionals, i.e. management and frontline workers, during the implementation of your combined system? And if so, how did you address this? We, we talked a lot about the decision makers in a sense and what are the challenges there. But actually, when, we were, when you were rolling out the system, and um, Kathy, I'll, I'll ask you to answer first. Uh, as you're rolling out the system and the end users are consuming these new combined processes, uh, what were some of the, the challenges or pushback that you got at that point? Well, a lot of the challenges we had was um, you know, either some people saw an improvement from the heritage and some other ones you know, um, wanted something more simplistic. Um, there's a lot of users that aren't near computers a lot of time and work in the field. So when they get to it or when they use it, they need to be able to quickly get to it and quickly understand how to log the, the essential information they can. Um, we do a lot of, and that comes, I think, with a lot of training. And I think it also comes with just some experience using our tools and systems as well because anytime a new one is, you introduce anything new, it takes some time. Um, we try to collect that user's feedback to see how can we have it easily accessible and what, what needs to be a natural flow to be able to have them used to going into systems, understanding processes. 
Um, you know, and we also appreciate, you know, especially in, in the current environment, there's, there's a lot of stress and complexity, you know, go on. So how do we ensure that we don't add any unneeded complexity to that as well? So we did some phase rollouts to try to, you know, um, you know, identify early on what could be some quick enhancements, ensure that there is a strong support group that understands the systems and tools so that they can provide coaching support to the organization so that they're, um, when people struggle, there's immediate support there. And I think that's critical as to ensuring there's focal points, there's support groups out there to help um, understand and build that case. I think once they saw that and see um, the value it can bring with the information and how that can drive, you know, improvements, um, we've had a lot more acceptance to it. Okay, that's that's great feedback. I have another question here, uh, which I'll just su summarize, is that um, how do you deal with the challenges, the differences between the EU context, uh, European context, let's say, and the US context? Um, you know, that we've, there's a lot of talk about ISO standards and so forth, but sometimes you have very different implementations and requirements um, in those two different markets. Um, Kevin, any comments on that and, and how a single system can cope with that? Yeah, so I, again, you look for the, the common aspects. Uh, you, you know, you, you focus on, you need to gather primarily your business reporting, and then you look to see what are the extensions of your business reporting that are needed for uh, any kind of local requirements. And so, again, with, with Reliance, the, the flexibility to, to, to build out uh, kind of customized data portions per, you know, location or region, you know, you can, you can add on to your core and common data set. So we, we, we haven't really generated any outputs which are specific to a region or a state. We have treated the data as data and deliver it in, you know, really exportable uh, tables and views so that people can use that data as they wish from that point forward. Okay, makes sense. Well, thank you very much um, to the panelists. I'm going to hand it back over to, to Alan. That was a, a lively discussion and uh, a lot of great insights. And uh, hand it back over to Alan to close it out. All right, thank you, everyone. Uh, unfortunately, we have run out of time. I'm sorry that we didn't get to everyone's questions, but all of today's unanswered questions will be forwarded to our speakers. I want to remind everyone of the evaluation survey we're asking you to complete. Uh, the survey should be appearing on your screen now. Your feedback is extremely important because it will help us improve our future webcast. If you do not see the survey on your screen, please turn off your pop-up blocker. You may also access the survey by clicking the survey button near the lower right part of your screen, and we hope you take the time to share your feedback. This ends today's Safety and Health Magazine webcast. I'd like to thank Kathy DeMars, Morgan Palmer, Stephanie Taylor, and Kevin Trotter, our sponsor, ETQ, and of course, everyone who joined us today. Take care and be safe.